You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill that purpose and live that life that God has originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Happy Resurrection Morning. You know, um, I, the Lord, I said, I want to, I just want to present myself. You know, the Bible says, present your members, instruments of God, right? I said, I'll just present myself because, you know, what do you actually preach at the core, the foundation, the numero uno of the Christian faith? Is an announcement. Praise the Lord. Really, there is nothing to preach. It's an announcement. He died. He rose. It's not end of discussion. It's beginning of life. Praise the Lord. You know, we're going to read text because we don't take for granted. For some person, this might be his first Easter. But really, I can start at the end. John said in John 20, John 20, 30 and 31, this is what John says. He says, many signs did Jesus do in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But 31, he says, but these are written, that what? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, what will happen? That's it. So we should actually come, celebrate, and take our lives to another level. That's what Easter is for you. That's what Easter is for every Christian. It's the renewal of our faith. It's when we go and check, are we measuring up to what our Lord and Savior Jesus initiated us into? On Friday, the Good Friday service, one of the prayers we pray is that we will be the people, the men, the women, the families, individuals, that he will look at and be glad. He will see the travail of his soul and say, I'm satisfied, and say, this is a good deal. May that be his testimony over you in the name of Jesus. He looks at you in the office, and he says, I made a good save here. That's a good catch. That's a good catch. I'm prophesying to you. That's a good catch. He looks at your marriage, he says, that's a good catch. In the name of Jesus. He looks at our children and says, that's a good catch. He says, he shall see of the travail of his soul. And he will be satisfied. Praise the Lord. Okay, for academic purposes, and um, for those who may not know, let's go to Matthew 27. And we'll read from verse 57 to 28, and we will see as the Lord will help us. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Jesus is going to make some disciples rich. Amen? Because their wealth will be needed. Their influence will be needed. It's very important. The Spirit of God picked this out for me. He said, only a man of this stature could have gone to Pilate and requested for Jesus' body and he'll respond. Some of the accounts said, a prominent man. So some of you listening to me, God will bring you to prominence. In the name of Jesus. But the most important thing they said about this man is that he was a disciple. He wasn't just a rich man. He was a disciple. So this message, this prophecy, if you want to call it that, is to a disciple. Your prominence is going to another level. You'll become so prominent that you'll speak to governors and to presidents and they will respond to you in the name of Jesus. He said, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. 
and Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Praise God. Should I tell you what jumped out to me when I read this? This is not part of the sermon. He said that when somebody has finished what he calls a victory and can't rest, that means he didn't win. They have killed him. He's dead though. They buried him. They didn't go home. They couldn't rest because something was telling them it's not over. (laughs) Tell somebody it's not over. When Jesus is involved, it's not over. You got Pilate to crucify him. You got the soldiers to confirm he was dead. He died. They took him, buried him, put the stone around it. You didn't go home. No be me talking. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. This was what they did. But we know what happened. Chapter 28 verse 1. It says, now after the Sabbath. As the first of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the gods shook for fear of him and became like dead men. When God rises, men become like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. We have several accounts, and each one of them presents an interesting dimension to the whole story. Maybe I'll just touch a few before we look at what we'll take in and go from here. The account in Mark 16 says virtually the same thing, but he adds that the first person he appeared to after he rose was a woman called Mary Magdalene, out of whom, that is Mark 16 verse 9, out of whom he had cast what seven demons. And that announces to somebody listening to me, it doesn't matter what your past is. With Jesus Christ, he makes all things new. Nothing in your past disqualifies you from what God can do with your tomorrow. Praise the Lord, somebody. And, you know, for those of us who are Christians and believers, we must never discount or dismiss any human being. God can use anybody. God can use anyone. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord can become an instrument. If the disciples had a choice of who would be that prominent and eminent apostle, they would never have chosen Saul. Praise the Lord. But Saul was the one that Jesus chose. Saul was amongst those who said crucify him. When he rose, Saul was amongst those who said let's find him and kill him again. That's how bad Saul was. Saul was going from house to house, bringing out Christians, those who believed in Jesus, and was beating them and persecuting them. Yet God chose to use Saul. You're listening to me. Maybe you're not doing your own that way. Maybe yours is, you know, some other thing, but the devil is a lie. God can use you. Your future can be great in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what he said. Let's see what Luke told us. In Luke, the same account from uh, chapter 24, for emphasis, we'll just read 6 down. And you see what happened from 6. He said he's not here, but his reason. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the thought they rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them 
who told these things to the apostles. Praise the Lord. Did you hear that? It was Mary, the women, who told these things to the apostles. Are you getting it now? It wasn't the apostles who told the women. It was the women, Joanna, the cook, the nanny, the house girl, the plantain seller, that went to the bishops and archbishops. Revelation can come from any direction. Is someone hearing me? God is God. He's not a man. You see, human beings have their protocols. Okay? God has his God to call. Are you with me? He can come from any direction. I mean, the proper thing, the etiquette of Jesus' resurrection should have been he will call Peter, James, and John and assemble the twelve and appear to them and then give them permission to go and inform the others in order of priority. Are you with me? But Jesus sent the women and the women went to the apostles and preached the most important message ever. You never know where the word of deliverance will come from. Praise the Lord. You know, that's why, you know, as a preacher, whatever position God has placed you, maybe even in the office, as a businessman, that position you occupy as the CEO of that organization, the idea that will propel your organization to the height God wants it to be may not come from you. It may come from a cleaner. You must be sensitive. Praise the Lord. And this is the implication of this. When those women preach this message to the apostles in verse 10, read 11 for me. 11 says, and their words seem to them like what? Idle tales and they did not believe them. Because they said, who is talking? You say, Mama John. <laughs> Since when did Mama John start seeing visions? It was to them as what? Idle tales. You know what an idle tale is? It's something that story that is of no use of no benefit of no consequence to be ignored not to be repeated that's what it says this is what it seemed to them however thank god the bible says but peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened let's look at john and then we'll move praise jesus in john chapter 20 we'll see what happened there from verse 8 Verse 8 says, Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet he did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. You know, what the Lord you know, showed me from here immediately was this. It says, this disciple, talking about John the Apostle here, John the Beloved, went in also, and he saw that the tomb was empty, and then he believed. Praise the Lord. Are you following that? He saw and he what? Believed. If you read the epistles of John, you will see that he's no longer waiting to see, to believe. This was John in his infancy. And this is not where you should remain after today. Why? Because verse 9 says, For as yet he did not know the scripture. Seeing and believing is for those who don't know scripture. When you know scripture, you believe and you... Is somebody in church this morning? John went in and saw. And then he what? Believed. That is infant John. Because verse 9 says, that is because he did not know the scripture. Last Sunday we learned that when something is written, nothing can be done against it. Once it is written... There is nothing that you can do against it. The best thing you can do is fall in line. The scripture says, whosoever allows the word to fall on him will be crushed. Or will be broken, sorry. But whosoever resists, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and this word falls on him will be crushed. You are either broken by submission or crushed by rebellion. Which one is better? When we are broken, we are mended into a better vessel. Praise the Lord, somebody. But when we are crushed, we are blown away like chaff. That will not be our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So, uh, John here says, I see and I believe. And you know, what I found interesting here is that at this whole resurrection, you know, season, this morning, this period, you know, the morning, evening, and for a couple of days, was that almost everybody 
they told us here. We are walking by sight. You know, before now, I didn't see Thomas. I saw him as a problem apostle. You know, they said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. He's alive. What did Thomas say? Thomas said, unless I what? I see with my eyes, I put my fingers in. But you know what the Lord showed me today? I'm going to show you. He showed me that it wasn't only Thomas. Everyone in that season needed to see. So when you read that, that account, what you keep saying is, he appeared to this too, he appeared to this, he appeared to that. So they believed as he appeared. That is why that statement our Lord Jesus Christ made, when he says, Thomas, you have seen me, therefore you have believed. He says, blessed are those who having not seen, have what? Have believed. He was talking about a generation that will rise. Praise the Lord, somebody. He was talking about you and I, a people who would not need to see. Because, you know, I don't know about you. Sometimes I prayed. I, I think from time to time I still pray that kind of prayer. And I pray and I want to see Jesus. How many have prayed that prayer? You want to see a vision. You just, you see, you want something solid. There is nothing more solid than the word of God. There is nothing more solid than it is written. In fact, you know, if every time I came here now, I told you in the night Jesus appeared to me and gave me this message to preach to you. You take me more seriously, right? But the truth is this. Um, Pastor Ronke is there. She's the principal of our children's church. Imagine if I came to church and drew a diagram of a lion and drew a diagram of David and say, David killed the lion. You say, Pastor, what is happening here? We in kindergarten, isn't it? Who do they show pictures to? Children. Who do they? <laughs> As you progress in maturity, they reduce the level of drama they show you. When you're in primary school and they're teaching you mathematics, they say if they gave you five oranges and Mary took one orange, how many oranges will you have? You say four. When you enter secondary school, they say if five is X and they remove Y, what will be remaining? Then you get to a point, they say, <laughs> the higher you go, the less drama you need to be shown. But human beings, carnal Christians, are carried away with visions. I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw. Even the one who saw in the Bible said, it's illegal for me to say what I saw. He was only saying what was written. John saw and believed. That's not where we should be. Verse 9 told us where we should be. It says, for as yet, he did not know the scriptures. Now, this morning, where we want to go to is what happens with this information we have. We know he died. Praise the Lord. We know he was buried. Praise the Lord. We know he rose again on the third day, right? And as powerful and all of that was on Friday, we saw the significance of his suffering and his death. It was a demonstration of God's love. And we learned that you can never appreciate God's love if you don't appreciate God's wrath. You see, it's tempting to declare the love of God. It, it makes you loved by people. But you don't love the people if you just declare to them the love of God when they don't know the wrath of God. There was some time ago, many years ago, one young man, one little boy, you know, that was in church then, one day just came to Momichi and said to Momichi, I forgive you. Momichi told me, I said, is he okay? You know, he said, I'm forgiving you. We're wondering. The conclusion was that, you know, everything was not, uh, there was partial contact in his head. From where to where? Do you understand? You can't just come and tell me God has forgiven you. No, you must first tell me how I offended God, isn't it? So the wrath of God must be declared. Do you understand? Every human being must know that as long as you are born in Adam, you are born under sin and there is condemnation hanging on you. For the Bible says for the wages of sin is what? Death. The Bible says God is angry with sinners. How many times? Every morning God wakes up. He's angry with sinners. But you know what he did with that anger? The Bible says for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him what? Should not perish but have everlasting life. Instead of the wrath of God destroying man. You know what God did? God looked at God and said to God. Who shall go for us? How do we save man? And Jesus Christ says here I am send me. So the Bible says God sent his only begotten son. 
to come into this world to die for our sins when jesus christ came into this world he was given a body that body was given it was for the purpose of suffering it was for the purpose of absorbing the wrath of god so you either have a choice either let the wrath of god that is hanging come down on you or let the wrath of God that has been expired in Jesus be yours so that you can enter into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Those who have been set free from condemnation through the sacrifice of Jesus. Is somebody hearing? That is the gospel. It's not begging you. It's an information. That's why we must preach it to everybody. Everybody must know that God is angry. But the good news is what? That Jesus Christ has what? Paid the price. You know, I mean, there are instances in Nigeria, girls are not like that, women are not like that, but in America, you know, you take a girl out, you want to pay, she also brings out her money and pays. How many of us want our women to be like that as well? You know, some people don't like you paying for them, so what I'm trying to say is that somebody might say, no, let Jesus not pay for my sins, let me pay for my own. But as for me and my house, we want Jesus to do what? <laughs> oh, yes, so. You know, when we're in secondary school, even up to now, it's amazing. If four men go out to eat, one of them will pay for everybody. Even when they enter taxi, those days, we enter taxi, three guys or four guys will enter taxi. One person will just give the taxi driver money and he'll take money for everybody. When ladies come out, each person will give the man 200 naira. He'll give one 180 change. Another person will give 200 naira. He'll give one one. I'm sure taxi drivers didn't like carrying girls. They just, I don't understand them. They go to eat. That's how they pay. Why, why are you people like that? Jesus redeems you. <laughs> you know, guys will just go, you know, and, and nobody plans it. This person is bringing our money. The other person brings out quicker. They pay. And then we just go. We are not calculating it. Somehow, you know, it just works out that we're okay. But ladies, uh, don't try it. They pay, collect their check. And they'll be laughing. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> praise the lord so in christ you know god expired his wrath so why it is called good friday is because it is good for us it was terrible for the son of god listen remember he had anointing beyond measure so he could sense what he would go through just the thinking of the suffering caused blood to come out of his veins. That's to show you how painful, how terrible it was. But we can call it Good Friday because for us it was good. Because had it not been for what he did, you and I wouldn't be standing here. Can we appreciate the Lord? Can we appreciate the Lord? That is what we are rejoicing in. So, as Christians, we said on Wednesday, as Christians, we, we have a faith that is authentic. Do you understand? We have a faith that is authentic. We, we're not saying that a snake came up and that snake does wonders. We're not saying that somebody says, we have a faith that you can take to the court of law and, you know, there'll be proof. Why? Because for everything you're promised as a Christian, there's payment for it. When you talk about healing, you're not healed because God wishes you healed. You're healed because the stripes that brought your healing has been, there is medicine for your healing. Because it was put on, he was beaten, so that beating mended you. Do you understand? He was sorrowful, so when you're encouraged to have joy, somebody deposited joy in your account so that you can draw down on that account and have joy. So, you see, that is what we have. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. What's chastisement? Scolding. The father, Jesus and the father are one. But at a point, because of my sins, the father turned his back on Jesus, scolded him. So he was chastised. Now me, in my situation, no matter how bad it is, I can receive peace. Why? Because he was chastised illegally. So that illegally as well, I can have peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It says, my peace I give to you. Not as, so when nothing looks like peace, I can have peace because I'm entitled to illegal peace. To peace that makes no sense. <laughs> to joy that makes no sense. I can sleep when I shouldn't sleep. 
Nah, this one is due. That one is due. That one is due. The man will lie down and sleep. You tap him. Why are you sleeping? He said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Jesus has done it for me. Do you understand? We have an authentic faith. Give me any faith where somebody paid the price. They just imagine things. Imagining faith. We have a faith that the price was paid for. The sin that we are now free from, it was paid for. So, the Bible says, he made him who knew no sin. That's not that he didn't sin. He didn't know sin. I don't want to go back to Wednesday. But, But the Bible said, in the Garden of Eden, this is what happened. There was a tree of life, and then there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good. Don't even know it. I get it now. Jesus did not know sin. His righteousness was so much that he didn't know sin. He couldn't light on him. He couldn't rest on him. But the Bible says he was made sin. Imagine the transport from not knowing sin to being made sin. That is how come the Bible can say he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him. Why? Because the journey he made from his righteousness to the sin can take you from wherever kidnapper, murderer, you know, a drug baron, whatever it is you are, thieving politician, you know, money doubler, whatever. He can save you as well to the uttermost. Why? Because the depth he covered can take everybody and nothing will shake. You see, that's why in Jesus' ministry, if you look at the patterns he showed us, it was as though he loved the bad sinners more. Who knows Zacchaeus? Jesus saw him and said, we are having a party in your house today. You know why? The weight of his cleansing power was not afraid of the death on anybody. That's the savior we have. Are you with me? You know, when I got born again, I had a friend whose parents, you know, Catholics have challenged with this born again thing. There are some Catholics that are more righteous than some Pentecostals. So it's not the church you attend to. But I had a friend whose parents were Catholics. And all of us were bad. And they know we are bad. I got born again and changed. And they still had a problem with me being born again. I said to them, what is your problem? This thing that happened to me has taken me from being like this to be like this. What is your issue? Your son hasn't changed. I'm still begging him to change. Your issue is that, you know, you know, that this is that, this is that. I never understood it. But you see, in Christ, the faith we have, the Bible says, he that is in Christ is what? A new creation. All things have, no, there is nobody, I've told us here many times before now, I've never heard in the whole world where you're listening to news and then they find a serial rapist who says, well, I used to be a serial rapist, but all of a sudden I met Muhammad and now I'm born again. I'm confessing all my sins. Have you heard it before? Have you heard anybody who said I used to be a serial rapist, then I met Buddha and then all all this stuff? No, it's only in the name of Jesus that a life can be changed. You know why? Because all the other men and things that people follow, they can lead them in front. But Jesus comes into your life. That is what is powerful about the resurrection. After Jesus died and rose again, you know, he went back to heaven. Now, before he went back, he told the disciples something. Before he even died, he said to them, it is to your advantage that I go. How can it be to my advantage that my benefactor, the one who helps me to pay tax when I don't have money, the one who gives me bread when I don't have food, the one who heals my mother-in-law when he's sick, the one who makes my boat arrive at the shore at the earliest bus, how can it be to my advantage that he goes? You know why it was to the advantage? Because Jesus had to be called. Are you listening to me? Mary and Martha had to send for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go. It's expedient that I go. Because when I go, what? The Father will send the helper. After the resurrection, when Jesus went back, you know what happened? He came back as the Holy Spirit. And that coming back, now you don't send for him. He is inside of you. Which one would you rather have? A phone you can forget or a phone that is inside of you? It's inside of me so that in any situation, it gets so beautiful that this being inside of me now, 
He says, he teaches me how many things. He said, even when I don't know how to pray, I open up my mouth. He said, when I pray like that, I pray accurately, even though my body is illiterate concerning what I'm praying for. But I'm praying the best prayer I can ever pray. Can somebody put his hands together for Jesus? That's the Savior we are talking about. That's the faith that we have as Christians. That is what has been given to us. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, you, you look at this package, you must pity anyone who is not a Christian. That's where I'm going. Part of what I have in mind to share with us is, so, Good Friday demonstrated God's love. So, the wrath of God is what should have come upon us, but he went on our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in that love, Jesus went. What made Jesus die for us on the cross? We learned on Friday that Jesus made a statement. He said, no man takes my life. He said, I lay down. What will make me give something that is not being taken from me? Is love. And what would even make it more glaring is that he commended his love to us. That what? While we were yet, he didn't look at Peter and look at John and say, nice guys. I have to save these guys. Is that what, it, is that what happened? No, they were all sinners. They had nothing to commend them. He looked at all of us. There was nothing. But for love's sake, he laid his life down willingly so that he can save us. So, Good Friday demonstrated the love. But if he stopped at love, now I want to appreciate the women. If he stopped at love, it would be like a young girl looking to get married. And then one boy comes every time you're telling her I love you. And then you and the girl will trek from the father's church and trek to Durumi. You're telling her, baby, I love you. I go die for you. I love you. The girl is hungry. You buy one corn. Break it into two. Give her high. Say, baby, I love you. You see, after some time, she will tell you, love That is, it means love what? Let love burn. Because you can't be loving me and suffering is breaking my head. Somebody sang and said, no romance what? Without finance. Love without power and resources is frustration. Man, God will prosper you. I'm sure you've forgotten this, but forget all these fine boy moves. The beauty of a man is that when there is need for money, you bring it out. I can hear them. (laughs) So, God loves us. Powerful. Jesus died for us. If that's all he did, there might be challenges. But you know the best part of it? There was power. Are you with me? He didn't just lay his life down. He didn't just say, I die in their place. After he was crucified in our place, the Bible said he would not allow his servant, the body, to see corruption. So he didn't just die. He was raised again. Come with me to Ephesians. Let's see what happened there. The Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 19 to 21. This is what Paul was praying for us. He says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now, now, now just slow down what is happening. When you look at that scripture, it's saying two things. First of all, go back to 19 please. He's showing us two things, and I, I mentioned them quickly. First of all, he's declaring to us the power God has to frustrate his enemies. Listen, if that's all you hear in church today, if you are like me, it will be enough. Because I worry about Nigeria. I cry about Nigeria. I pray concerning Nigeria. But when I know that the God I serve has what? Exceeding great power. To frustrate his enemies. I'm encouraged. Is someone hearing me? So just like that lady. He loves us. But he's also not a weakling. He's a man you can say this is my man. This is my man. You won't deny him. You know there are some men. You're a lady. You love him. But in some situations you won't put him you know, in front. Because it will cost even you and him. Wahala. If you go to your, 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 your looking for a job. You say that's my man. You even lose the job. He's plenty weight. The negative with him is too much. But this Savior, praise the Lord, he says the exceeding greatness what? of his power toward us who believe. So it talks about his power to make nonsense every imagination of the opposition. He is so powerful that he says 
no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, what? He said, I shall condemn. He's so powerful that he said to you, whatsoever things you ask in my name. He says, I'll do it for you. He's so powerful that he says, who is he that condemns? Do you know even the devil can, is not condemning again. You know, there's difference between condemnation and accusation. The devil is an accuser, but he's not a condemner. Only the judge can condemn. Somebody proved his hands together for Jesus. Who is he that condemns? But Jesus Christ, who what? Is risen. He's the only one who can condemn. So Satan can stand behind you and call you all kinds of names. It's an accusation. They can knock it out on technicality. I see the blood. They look at you and say, I see the blood. I see the blood. What did he say? He's a thief. Say, okay, but I see the blood. What did he say? He said, I see the blood. He's the only one who can make nonsense of everything the devil is doing. That's how great that power is. Then the second part of the power, let me say that before we look at the other trends. It's not that just that he has power to frustrate the enemy. He also has power to help those who are his children. That's the beautiful part. Praise the Lord, somebody. You can please show us the Living Bible. Thank you. This is how the Living Bible put it. Okay, thank you. It says, read it for me so it's not missing. I pray that you begin to what? Understand how incredibly great his power is to do what? Read it again. Understand how incredibly great his power is to what? Help those who believe in him. Do you believe in him? They are announcing to us there is incredibly great power to help. Now, let me bring this other side of what I'm trying to say is this. If you're listening to me here and you're still living in sin, you're a liar. You're 419. You know why? If you don't want to, he has the power to make you to stop. He has the power. I've told you the story of the guy who told us many years ago. He told us that he told God that instead of him committing fornication, let him beat the girl. That's a bad, you know, resolve. But it's a resolve that will make God help him. He said, I don't want to commit fornication. So when I see the thing moving, I would rather fight than fornicate. Praise the Lord. If you're so serious, tell the Lord, instead of fornication, let me go blind. Ah. If a thief comes to steal all your treasures, and you have an option of saying, let him go blind, will you ask that prayer? You say, ah, no, let him not go blind. Let him see with one eye. You know, let him just... What I'm trying to say is this. Just, you know, I, I put that on the side. Is that... God, in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, demonstrated to you and I that he has power to make nonsense of the enemy and he has power to perfect all that concerns you. So power is not a problem. That's what this weekend is telling us. Power is not a problem. Because at Jesus' death, we saw the part we read. When they killed him, he was dead, dead. I was trying to ask the Lord some things, but the thing was almost trying to make my head go crazy. So I withdrew my, my meditation from there. I was trying to ask, when Jesus died, where did his spirit, because when somebody dies, his spirit, I was trying to go into some areas, but I think God just delivered me so that I don't come here now and start telling people dimensions that I won't come down from. You know, when he died, all the enemies of God were free to do whatever they could do. That's why they said, shut the tomb. There was a stone already. It was uh, Joseph of Arimathea who put the stone. When they came, the stone was not enough. They sealed it. Are you with me? And then they said, guards. I don't know some of the other things they did. But that is on the human level. I don't know the demonic, you know, arsenals that were released. To make sure Jesus remained dead. If human beings will say, let his body not be stolen. What will principalities and powers be saying? I get in what I'm saying. So, with the Easter weekend, we see God saying to his opposers, his, you know, enemies, bring on your most terrible act. That's what he did. He surrendered Jesus. He was dead. You know, dead man, you kick him, nothing. He was there. And he didn't rush. He left them for three days to make sure he remained dead. And to make matters worse, you know, I think 
Excess power makes people behave like this at times. I've never seen a country like America. They want to do something they'll tell you before. We're going to strike you. We're going to find you. We're going to eliminate you. And then they find you and eliminate you. Our own, we say, we will deal with them. They find us and deal with us. (laughs) Our own is reverse osmosis. (laughs) Okay? So he told them, destroy this body. On the third day, I will do what? If your enemy told you something like that, even if we are sleeping on the first day, second day, that third day, what will you do? You will press him down well, well, isn't it? Talking about pressing down, you're delivered from that pressing down feeling in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is risen from the dead. Once you feel it, just say in the name of Jesus, get off of me. Amen. Okay, so he gave them three days to keep him dead, but they couldn't. You know why? The Bible tells us in that Ephesians. It says it is the same mighty power. Give us 20 now, please. And 21. It's the same mighty power which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We learned some years ago, Pastor Lord teaching us. That, that word which said wrath talked about a new power that had never been in use. Because you see, creation demanded a different dimension of power. But resurrection was a power that had never been used that's why the devil had they known about that power they wouldn't have bothered with crucifixion that's what happened so when he raised him from the dead the devil saw that his worst was not worse enough that's it and that's why the apostle paul is praying that the eyes of your understanding may be what may be enlightened that you will know this power because when you now know this power that's why you can walk you get into a place, they say, ah, they say if anybody crosses there, this will happen. You say, where? He say, okay, let me cross it now. Let's see what will happen. I get what I'm saying. Because you have come to know the power that is available to you as a Christian. This is what Easter is about. This is the news that is brought to us. Jesus is superpower. You know, we know there's a song we used to sing. Jesus power, superpower. Jesus is super nuclear, atomic, you know, whatever. That's what it is. And that power is not in our history. That power is here today. That power is available in your circumstance today. That power is available for you tomorrow in your face. That power is available for you in your home. That power is available for you in any circumstance you currently find yourself in. That power is available for us in Nigeria. Somebody say amen. That's what Easter is about. The love and the power. And for somebody you may be here and you've heard all these things before. True. But there's a difference between information and revelation you may have been informed but my prayer for you today is that you get the revelation you see revelation is what will make you want to draw down information can make you tell the story but revelation will make you adjust you see part of the my prayer for us in this meeting is that the passion the suffering the crucifixion the death the burial and the resurrection of our lord jesus christ will from today Begin to factor in your decision making. Did you hear me? It means if somebody tells me A is this, B is this, and this is that, so which one should you do? Whether he tells me that or not, I will also say Jesus died for me. He was buried, you know, for three days. He was in the grave. He rose again. He's alive now. I will bring that into the equation. Now, the word factor in mathematics is a multiplier. Are you understanding? Any equation you put, once you put a factor, it changes the outcome. As a Christian, you deny yourself if you don't factor this power we are talking about into your life. So they tell a story and they say everybody from this village, everybody that they diagnose this thing of, everybody that his finances goes like this, everybody that does not have this qualification, everybody that this and this happened, when they finish with all the everybody, at the factor that Jesus Christ died and rose again. You see, the beauty of that for you is this. You see, some of us are realists. And I pray that from today you won't be realist again. Some of us are realists because they, they tell you that, but this is reality. Now, reality is reality until it is touched by faith. Did you hear me? Reality is what you have without faith. When faith comes into it, 
that Sarah's body was beyond dead was reality. That Abraham's loins were what? Were dead was reality. But the Bible says Abraham, I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago, we learned here that the difference between the hope of the normal person and the hope of the believer is that the hope of the normal person is based on reality. It's based on good outcomes. It's based on favorable outcomes. So I hope if I come to uh, Barita Dickness Ivy's house, she will give me uh, Nkwobi and, and Isiewu. It's a hope because I know she cooks Nkwobi and Isiewu, right? Now, but I may go there now and she's fasting. So she hasn't cooked for some days now. She's on the mountain interceding for us, okay? What would have happened now is that my hope would have been what? Disappointed. Because my hope was on the best outcome. But faith is not hope. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. Now, when I have faith added to my hope, I shift from the performance ability of Barrister Dignes Ivy. I enter into what is written. That in this house, there is a decree that every time Pastor Ikenna comes there, they must produce what? Unkwabi and what? Isiu. So if she lies, let her be fasting till her stomach gets to the back. When I arrive in that house, what is written must what? That is what makes the believers have faith. Our faith is in the word of God. Not in your good behavior. Not that I neck will behave well. When we have faith, we hold on to what God said. Why? Because we understand that by this same word, the heavens were created. The day the world will not walk, the sun will not rise. I get it what we are talking about. Faith changes every situation. So it says now faith is the substance so you can hope without substance. The average hope is without substance. That's the truth. But when there is faith in it, it has substance. So I know. It takes you into the range of I know. So the apostle Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I'm not hoping. I know. How do you know? How does knowledge come? Knowledge comes by consistent verification of outcomes. By consistent performance. You know. Jesus said to the disciples, Okay, are you not going? Are you not leaving? Peter said, which master are we going to follow again? I was a fisherman. Not only me, all of us. We toiled all night and caught nothing. You, you Jesus came. In the water that I know there is not even crayfish. You said to me, cast my net. And I cast. So, and I cast my net and I caught a multitude of fish. You came to my house. My mother-in-law was dying of fever. You just woke her up from sleep. She went and prepared food. We were in the middle of the river of, of the sea and we're going to be destroyed. And you just say, peace be still. And you want me to turn and follow another person. To whom shall we go? Your words have brought life. I will follow you. This morning, that is the revelation you need to catch. There is a savior whose words are truth. The powerful thing of resurrection it's not just, he could have risen by accident. But he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. It means that whatever he's saying now will also come to pass. Let's rise on our feet. Whatever he's saying now will also come to pass. When you open the Bible and read something there, you can close that Bible and say, thank you. Because you are God. The songwriter says you have a track record of what? Of keeping your word. That's what Easter is about. He has shown us time and time and time again that he watches over his word to perform it. So can you just thank him that that is the savior you have. That is the God you and I worship. That is the one who has called us. He says there shall be none barren. Has he allowed you to get married? Then he's going to make a way. Has he given you a life? He will give you joy. Has he given you children? He will give you the resources. The scripture says, I've been young and now I'm old. The only people I've seen forsaken are the wicked. But the righteous, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his seed beg bread. You don't have to steal to ensure a great future for your children. You need to pursue righteousness. Because good name is better than silver and gold. Is somebody hearing what Jesus is saying to him? Today, I want you to renew your faith in him. 
I want you to renew your Christianity. You came in here as a born again Christian. Maybe trials and tribulations, difficulties had come and weighed you down. And you have been waiting to see to believe. But you're leaving church this morning. Believing and then you will see. Is somebody hearing me? Somebody is living here a believer. A refreshed believer. A revived believer. A confident believer. Someone who knows and knows and knows and knows. That this is what God says. Somebody who is saying I know him. He said it and I believe it. And that settles it. I will wait and I will see. Is somebody listening to me? Then go ahead and talk to him. And tell him, Lord, in fact, forgive me. I want to enter into the group of those who are blessed. Because they have believed, having not seen. Anybody will believe when they see. But the believers are the group who, having not seen, they believe. And that's where he's calling you to. He has shown you enough in your life to raise your faith. To take your confidence to another level. That's what the world is looking for. The Bible says those who know their God. What would they do? It said they will be strong. And they will carry out great exploits. That's what the world is. Those who know. Not those who are informed. Those who know. I've known him. I've known him. I've experienced him. I've seen him. He's a total God. He's a complete God. He's a reliable God. You have been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you have been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center off Banex Guarimba Expressway near Next Cash and Carry Abuja. 9 a.m. Sunday and 6 p.m. Wednesday. Call us on 070-31588-404. You can also find us online on our website, www.thefatherschurchonline.org. Facebook, facebook.com slash thefatherschurch. Our Twitter handle, at tfatherschurch. Also on Instagram, the Father Church. God bless you.